Want to start your own podcast? Anchor makes it super easy. Here's what you need to know about Anchor. Most importantly, it's free. Second, there are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast to numerous platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Omalinga Karwangwa is a Rwandese angel investor, fund manager, and investment advisor with over 17 years of global experience in financial services with a focus on investments in Africa over the past 13 years. Umalinga has raised and managed funds invested in Africa for different asset classes and is passionate about developing African capital markets and homegrown asset managers on the continent. Umalinga, welcome to the show. Welcome to this episode of the WTF Africa Edition podcast with our guest, Umalinga Karangwa. But before we get into the interview with our guest, I would like to thank Agazella Learn Launch Scale for sponsoring this episode. Agazella is an online entrepreneurship academy that co-creates its courses with learners. Don't waste your time taking courses that teach you things that you already know. Agazella courses are responsive to learners' knowledge gap and deliver results. Check them out at agazella.com. Now, let's turn our attention over to our guest, Umalinga Karwangwa. Umalinga, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in investment banking, and what led you to angel investing. Hello, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me on this podcast. My name is Umalinga. I am Rwandan. I was born in Belgium. My parents were then refugees in uh, Europe when I was born, and they later went back to Rwanda. So I got to know both Africa and Europe growing um, up between the two. I uh, started my career in uh, investment banking after going to business school and studying finance. And I was at the time very eager to just uh, prove myself and uh, do very smart things and uh, also, of course, uh, earning a good living. And I learned a lot. I started in Belgium. I was then covering European markets and then moved to uh, the UK in London and then uh, continued to cover European markets until I, uh, from London still, starting covering investments in African markets. And that was, of course, uh, a revelation that was uh, so much more exciting. I, uh, I've always been passionate about uh, the development of African economies uh, because I'm from Africa, because my family is from Africa, because I love Africa, and also because there's so much that can be done uh, and that's exciting. So I started covering African equities from London and then moved to uh, South Africa, where I continued covering uh, African equities. After some time, um, as I grew more passionate about it and as I grew less attracted 
to corporate uh, politics, I decided to set up um, a firm for the same investments in, uh, in, uh, in Africa. And I got really passionate about um, participating and being part of uh, setting up African local homegrown investment managers. So after doing that in South Africa, I did the same in Morocco. I also tried in Rwanda. Um, it's not always uh, easy to set up a business, but I still tried in Rwanda. And uh, currently, I spend my time between Mauritius and South Africa, where I have covered uh, African um, markets. And uh, what I've done also over all these years is to expand the assets um, classes I was covering. I started by this equity and uh, added private equity. And what happens is that African markets are still relatively undeveloped. And um, as a fund manager wants to grow its assets under management, it can be uh, a limit um, the size of uh, African markets in terms of, let's say, African equity markets or listed equities or listed um, bonds. Once you leave South Africa, Egypt and Morocco, markets are very small. So what we did is to look at different asset classes. So private equity after this is equity and then debt, listed debt and then private debt. And then I started to participate in more very specialized um, development oriented uh, activities uh, that would be still managing funds for either large institutional investors or development um, um, players, whether development banks or other development funds. And then uh, recently, for example, I, uh, I joined a team managing uh, a trade finance fund. That's a very specific asset class, uh, but that's very, very key to, to Africa. And also recently, I started uh, through networking uh, with peers, uh, learning more about what was going on in angel investing in the continent. So I was not very familiar with it, but in the space of uh, two years, I would say I had uh, an amazing uh, learning curve. And um, also at the same time, I think uh, angel investing became so much more popular in Africa. And uh, that's, that's how I, I got to it. And now I'm part of uh, two uh, angel investment groups in uh, Mauritius. One already uh, exists, is set up and uh, deploying. Another one is still being set up. It's also quite difficult to actually get organized. And uh, yeah, it's a very exciting meeting entrepreneurs, uh, hearing the pitches, uh, seeing so many people that want to do so much for the development of the region. That's very exciting. So um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it and I'm still learning at the same time. Thank you for that, Umalinga. And you went through very quickly all these very financial terms. So to our lay listeners who might be listening to the podcast, might you be able to define for us the difference between, let's say, venture capital, private equity, and angel investing. What's the difference between those different types of, of investments? And what is the unique value of African angel investors that sets them apart from VC or other types of investors or financing institutions operating in the African investment ecosystem? That's a very, very good question, um, Michelle. And of course, um, that's a lot of jargon that I uh, was uh, sharing with you. And uh, to make it um, clear what the difference is, is that um, people are taking risk, equity risk. Typically, it's equity risk, but in different types of companies. Private equity, 
they um, take risk in a very calculated manner, um, controlled risk, and they invest in companies that have track record that are growing but um, are quite stable and that uh, are going to make them money to pay them dividends. And uh, they have quite, uh, let's say, a very clear path ahead and their uncertainty is very limited. For example, for a private equity fund, it is normal to invest, let's say, in, um, in a food and beverage company in a, in, a, in a big market like Nigeria. The company is already, uh, let's say, a uh, hundred million dollar plus of revenues. It has good products. Uh, it has very little chance of, um, of getting um, into difficulties. So they're making a very safe investment. VCs take more risk. And angel investors take even more risk. So VCs, they're going to invest in quite early uh, stage, uh, fast-growing companies. So maybe they would be tech companies that have a good idea, that have some clients, some traction, but not really sure if it's going to become, uh, let's say, uh, uh, the next uh, Paystack or the next Uber even or if it's going to be just like an, an average company. You don't know yet, but still the company is, has a very, very promising uh, future. It should already make some profits, uh, or if it doesn't make profits, it's, it has strong revenues. So you don't uh, look at maybe losing all your money in the, in the next two or three years. Angel investors are going to invest before that at a very, very early stage of the company. Sometimes even before there's any um, sizable revenues, when the risk is still immense, when the founders are still finding their feet and the company is should be stable, but often it's not stable. They really need uh, to also uh, very like understand better the market, uh, what they're doing, and test the business plan. So, angel investors they take immense risks, and maybe if they invest in ten companies, only one will do great, and then maybe four will do average, and five will disappear. So they take a lot of risks, but of course they are very, very critical and crucial in development because for VCs and for, for venture capital funds or for private equity funds to later invest in companies or for economies to develop, you need entrepreneurs to find the funding so they can have those ideas to create the companies of the future. So angel investing is extremely important, but also very risky. Thank you for that breakdown, Omalinga. That leads us to the next question. For the African entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, what are the top three things that they should know about African angel investors? Where do they find angel investors and how should they approach them? That's a very good question uh, because uh, even myself, I would say two years ago, I would have had no idea where the angel investors were and what they were doing and what they were investing in. On the continent, angel, investor, angel investing has been um, on a very, very fast uh, rising trend. I think that maybe um, 10 years ago, there were two or three of, of networks of angel investors, and now you would have networks in almost every country and several networks in the large countries. So where you would find them, uh, if you're looking for them as an entrepreneur, networking, that's the first. So uh, networking, talking to other entrepreneurs. Um, if you are 
very, very talented tech um, specialist or like even a scientist, it might not be very natural to you to just uh, talk to people a lot um, and just get to know who they are, what they do. Yeah, networking, people always throw it out and they're like, oh, go network. It's not so easy when you don't have a natural network to already plug in, right? So let's say you're not very well connected, but you've got this great idea. You don't really know any um, one in the investment or entrepreneurship space. You just know you've got a great idea that you want to get off the ground. How do you start just networking? Where are some low-hanging fruit opportunities for networking that you could suggest? So, so the, the easiest one would be um, to talk to incubators. So incubators um, are these hubs where entrepreneurs can maybe find uh, different support services from uh, just a working um, area, a workstation, um, to coaching, uh, to access to investors. So there's uh, an increasing number of um, incubators all over Africa. I think that every large city has one or, or maybe two. And uh, in the large ones, there's plenty. They sometimes focus on um, certain aspects like agriculture, agri-tech or fintech or, or else. So for an entrepreneur with a good idea, uh, not knowing anyone, I think a Google search of uh, incubators in your area is, is a good start. And normally there should be one wherever you should, wherever you are, um, and not necessarily in the big countries. Even in Rwanda, you have a few, quite a few incubators, um, and some of them are backed by uh, very serious investors um, from overseas. Um, in big cities like uh, Lagos or Douala, you'd have more than one, and they would have uh, specialties. And yeah, you should you should reach out to them, uh, look at what they offer. Um, and uh, and discuss with them, and all of them would have access to investors because angel investors are going to be linking up with several incubators to get uh, deals coming their way. Then uh, let's say you don't even have access to an incubator in a big city because you are, for example, working in farms in the middle of a large country like Namibia. Uh, you can still um, network online with um, using platforms such as uh, AngelList. So that's a, a global uh, investment platform for, for angel investors. And they would uh, list angels wherever they are in the world. So you can find a list of African angels or you can find a website of uh, an angel investor group in your country. Or you can find the website, you can look at the website of the African Business Angel Network, which has a, a list of all the networks in, uh, that are members in, uh, in many, many countries. Many countries now have, uh, have uh, angel investor networks. So that's, uh, that's a start. And uh, I, I think that's uh, through that, through incubators and through, uh, through just the net networking and finding the, the networks, you can find, um, you can find uh, good contacts. Um, myself, I actually linked with uh, two incubators uh, over LinkedIn. Uh, in countries I had been to before, but I have not been to um, for, let's say, a year or more because of the situation. And I wanted to know what kind of pipeline they had, what kind of uh, businesses were, were working in, uh, in the markets. And just through LinkedIn, 
you can uh, send a few messages, uh, a few connection requests, and then start talking. So Omalinga, now comes the more artful part of how to approach investors because the approach is important. Absolutely. So what advice do you have for the approach, how to do it? I think um, um, many of the entrepreneurs I have met, um, they really um, have good ideas, uh, but uh, as they are investing in the business um, and they're so close to the idea and the numbers, they haven't really tested it or looked at different perspectives. So. I think what is very important in the approach is to understand that um, angel investors um, they come they, like they have a completely different perspective than you as a as a founder. They uh, might love the idea of supporting entrepreneurs, but they don't really love you specifically, and they will not go uh, out of their way to understand and uh, like your idea if you don't make it clear to them why they should like it, and why would uh, angel investors like your idea? Is because first it's a good idea, it can make uh, money. Uh, if they are impact oriented, it can also have an impact, create jobs, solve a problem that uh, is uh, an important problem for society, for example, um, garbage or access to electricity or things like this, like solve um, a solution and then uh, make, make money. And uh, usually it has to be scalable. So you have to think in their size, they don't want to invest in your business, so you're going to double in size. Um, they would like your business to become uh, uh, multiple, multiple, multiple full size of what it is today. So you have to ask yourself um, if uh, you your ID is scalable and then test that. So when they are going to ask you how you're going to scale up, then you have some idea. Um, you don't need to know everything and to answer every question uh, when you don't know, you don't know. But it's very important that you ask yourself those questions they will ask you. How do you make money? What problem do you solve? How do you solve it? And then is this idea scalable to, uh, the, to, the, to the national level, to the continental level, to the global level? These are really, really important uh, questions for the angel investors. Thank you for that, Umalinga. Now, how important is likability? as a factor? It is uh, usually important, um, generally in life. And that's, uh, that's uh, just the reality. Uh, you and I um, know that there's a lot of research that is uh, done uh, on um, how biased uh, investors can be, from the angel investor level to even the VC level to even the larger B level, how biased investors can be on many aspects. And then uh, sadly, um, people tend to like what looks like themselves more. Or people tend to like uh, what society says uh, is better. Um, so there is, there is bias and, and being likable is, uh, is better. But um, there's also conscious efforts from a lot of people, for example, like myself, to, um, to um, fight those biases, to um, to improve um, as, a, as a woman, uh, there's a clear bias uh, for men in the investment uh, world. And um, myself and other colleagues uh, would, of course, really pay attention, to, pay more attention to women because we know they are overlooked. We know that uh, 
in our angel investor network, there will be more men than women. Why? Because um, angel investors are going to invest their own wealth. So, they, so you have to have some wealth and you also have to have some confidence because it's not only wealth, it's also the confidence that you can invest in something and not lose all your money and that the risk is worth taking because there's a risk. You don't know how much you're going to make and you don't know if you know for sure you won't lose your money. So you need some wealth, some confidence, and uh, women have less access to wealth and uh, are less confident generally. So uh, we pay particular attention to, uh, to women entrepreneurs because we know they are, they are overlooked. Um, and I think that um, uh, you have to, let's say if you are an African entrepreneur and then you're pitching for um, a global incubator, because some incubators are looking at African startups and even remotely offer them access to um, the incubators. You can have African entrepreneurs uh, part of uh, an incubator um, in uh, the UK or in the US or or like uh, Y incubator that a lot of people know about and have participated in out of Silicon Valley. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when you're pitching yourself there, yeah, you have to be conscious that uh, there's a there's a there's a strong bias in the Silicon Valley. It's established that. Um, Angel investors tend to invest more in uh, Ivy League um, uh, alumni because they themselves are Ivy League alumni. Uh, so they like what they see more if it looks like themselves. So yeah, you have to be uh, cognizant about that bias. Um, and uh, maybe sometimes you, if, if you're very foreign to that uh, Western environment, you should be coached uh, to be conscious of the bias, but uh, either use it to your advantage, for example, um, I tell women entrepreneurs they shouldn't be shy of showing how gender positive her business is. They should insist. And, and, and if you, let's say, if you were a scientist, if you're a woman scientist, your pitch deck won't insist on the fact that you're a woman. It will just focus on, on, your, on the science facts behind your idea. But I would ask her to add that uh, this is a woman-led business. Uh, this X percent employment in that, uh, for women in that business there will be uh, that impact and that impact on um, on gender in that country or on the continent. And that's very important. And that's where you can use the bias to your advantage. Because there is also, there is also some uh, accountability on the, invest, uh, on the investment side, on the buy side, that they have to work around their bias. They have to, um, they really have to, uh, to try their best to, uh, to not overlook very good ideas because they come from people that don't look like them. Yeah, and for people who might be very smart and have great ideas, but are very shy and not super dynamic sometimes. So like just even when you're appearing in front of someone pitching an idea, the person who appears to be more dynamic might get more interest when the idea might not be, <laughs> be as strong. Because sometimes people are like, oh, they didn't seem like they wanted it enough or something like that. And it could just be a matter of the person's personality not shining through enough when there is a really strong idea and a potentially strong business behind that lack of dynamism. I um, No, I, I completely agree. Uh, the delivery is very, very uh, important. And sadly, everyone would be biased by delivery. So entrepreneurs should be coached and all incubators are going to force coaching on entrepreneurs. I've known entrepreneurs that uh, say they don't need coaching. 
and actually do. And then uh, if it's not forced onto them, they won't do it. But it's important. Uh, myself, I was coached um, as soon as I moved to the UK to try to make me a better speaker and um, uh, reduce uh, my strong accent because uh, in the UK, uh, it's very... And I'm not like, blaming this on... Um, on uh, on uh, on the UK because everywhere is the same. I'm francophone, and in France it's the same. You will have a better impression of someone that has a good delivery and, and less of an accent. Um, if if two people say the same idea, uh, two people just explain the same thing with a different accent, people uh, have a different reaction to it. And uh, I didn't believe in it. I was very, very frustrated that my accent was being criticized by uh, my coworkers. And they say it's nothing about against your accent. But it's going to work better if um, clients um, um, understand it better, um, and uh, there's a bias uh, against uh, foreign accents. So and people of course, some accents are more acceptable than others, of course. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. And some uh, some uh, would uh, look cute, and some uh, are going to look like uh, they, some some can cause irritation, of course. So uh, yeah, and and I think that. Um, for many entrepreneurs, uh, the financial world is um, not attractive. People wearing suits, uh, people uh, stress about risks, people uh, are not very innovative. They don't like um, that environment, um, but they have to learn to understand it very well and feel comfortable. So when they're pitching for money, because they need the money that comes from that not so attractive world of finance, they need that money to grow the idea. Um, so uh, at the angel investing uh, level, it's uh, okay. At the VC level, it's uh, a bit more important to be comfortable with numbers and uh, with how finance people think. And then if you go uh, to private equity or maybe IPO your business later, you really need um, to be coached to, uh, to, to understand that world. And it's very clear with the... Um, the founders of uh, the star founders of the, the unicorns, um, people tend to love them or hate them and tend to overreact to anything they say. Uh, if uh, Mark Zuckerberg says something and if uh, Bill Gates says it, I mean, people are going to criticize uh, Zuckerberg more because um, tech founders are not um, um, people reading the FT, they have a bias towards people that are more like them, more conformist, uh, less uh, like comfortable with um, not innovating, doing the same, avoiding risks. And, and of course, uh, that's not a typical personality that, uh, that fits well with uh, the finance world. So, so they all have to be good. Now, as an angel investor yourself, what types of businesses do you invest in and what is on your decision-making checklist when evaluating a startup business idea for investment? So my list is not very original um, because um, like everyone, I would like uh, a good founding team. So uh, the founder uh, is really key uh, because uh, they have to be committed, um, be strong and uh, be open to collaboration with uh, the investors. Uh, the idea uh, should be good. It should solve a problem. A problem that, uh, that uh, now is, uh, is costing money or so they should either generate saving or they should, uh, they should create a product that people want to buy. 
and then it should be scalable. Um, because if it's a good idea, but uh, it remains small, that's also unattractive. Um, so these are the key things. And of course, then you will, ha you will have to look at uh, different types of risks, whether it's a regulatory risk, whether it's uh, risks that uh, the market uh, changes, whether there are not enough barriers to entry and et cetera. But the first three for me are the founding team, uh, the problem they solve, and then the scalability. And that, that would be on everyone's list, but uh, really there's uh, there's no way to improve that, that checklist. These three are really key. So for you, what characteristics, if any, do you look for in founders that you fund? So in the founder, him or herself? So, so it's hard to say because um, I've uh, now met so many different entrepreneurs and I think I uh, first I, I was I, I thought I, I want someone that is uh, determined has skin in the game that uh, you know uh, is perseverance and has shown it but now I've also met uh, uh, entrepreneurs that were not that uh, determined and I were really in there for uh, sometimes good luck but they had a smart way uh, to do it so their ideas were also good so I don't think I have um, I have um, like a, a, a must-have uh, list for the entrepreneur because the more I do this, um, the, the less I think um, the, the less I think there's a there's a there's a must-have list. Someone that is um, um, not perseverant uh, is okay if they're very honest about uh, why why they want to stop or do this another way, because sometimes it's better to adapt quickly. So we're at the final question for this conversation. And so it is, if you were a startup entrepreneur in Africa, what would be some important things to learn from someone like you with insight and experience on the funding side of things to demystify the fog around funding for entrepreneurs? So putting yourself in the shoes of an entrepreneur. So someone meeting you, let's say I were the entrepreneur and I'm meeting you, um, but knowing what you know, what are the things that I should want to know from you? And what are the insights that you would want me to have based on what you know, if that makes sense? <laughs> uh, that's a very good question. I, um, especially because I'm kind of a listener. I like to listen to uh, people's stories and what they have to say. Um, so if, if I look back at the many, many meetings I've had with entrepreneurs, the first thing I say is that uh, if uh, you got all the way here, there's a very good chance that you, uh, you shouldn't be impressed by me because you're going to make much, much more money than I do uh, very, very quick. If you have a good idea indeed, um, very quickly you can... Uh, you can become a millionaire um, if you if you solve a problem and uh, you have a good team and your business is scalable and there's a uh, decent barriers to entry then then you really uh, you shouldn't be too scared of pitching to us or too impressed by us um, the other thing uh, is that uh, it's completely okay uh, not to be sure about your numbers not to be familiar with the, the finance uh, because it's not expected from you that uh, you can ask every question about your business plan and about the about financial projections or financial metrics uh, about valuation or return. 
some pity okay and sometimes um people uh, would delay meetings or they would uh, sometimes uh, lose confidence because they're not sure the excel uh, business plan is is good enough and actually um it's uh, most of the time it's uh, it's completely fine it can always be improved because um as investors we have uh, more experience into building business plans but um you shouldn't spend uh, too much time stressing about that. How important um, or not is the business plan? And at what stage is it more or most important? So I would say it's important from the beginning, but um, it's important to be a tool that uh, gives you visibility as, visibility as to how you grow your sales, where your costs are, and uh, what are the sensitivity uh, to this or that, you know, like uh, how much uh, growth you need in terms of users or how much growth you need in terms of uh, how much a user would spend. All these things, you need to understand them, but your model really doesn't need to be uh, super high tech. You need to have a model uh, that shows uh, over three to five years how your business will do and how uh, you think sales and costs are going to uh, evolve over time. But you don't need something that is, uh, that is uh, completely proof of any questions, you know? Um, and usually it's uh, updated uh, very frequently. Maybe every quarter you would change assumptions. Uh, it's a tool for the discussion with um, um, the potential uh, investors. It's also a tool for yourself to understand uh, how much money you do, you do need um and how much it would cost to uh, to scale your business to the model to the level that you you want it but yeah like i i, I usually when people are delaying a meeting because they want to get a, a more a better business plan i say like i don't think it's necessary let's discuss what you have now and uh we will tell you where we want to do to improve it any other Final thoughts, words of advice to close out the conversation for entrepreneurs so, so who are looking for funding. What should they know? I mean, they, they should really be positive because uh, until they've been uh, they've extended all potential avenues, uh, they should really uh, keep trying. Uh, they, they they have to pitch many many times to different types of investors, uh, digest the feedback. Most investors give you very detailed feedback as to why they are um, uh, concerned about your ideas and why they would not invest now. So uh, digest that feedback, you can just disagree with it and continue um, with what you have, or you can uh, just uh, um, or you can incorporate it and, and improve it, and then go back. Because I've seen entrepreneurs coming back with uh, better models, and then. Um, they really scored a lot of points for incorporating the feedback, showing they were very keen to collaborate and um, take in, absorb the value you could bring as investors. So uh, yeah, carry on and um, and uh, until it's really certain that no one will find you, just just carry on trying and uh, network, network, network. Um, many businesses, um, many entrepreneurs uh, thought it would not work, and then it worked. For you and the networks that you participate in, what are the funding ranges um, for those angel investor networks? What can people expect? 
So we uh, invest in Mauritius because uh, those two I'm part of are Mauritius based. Um, I, I spend a lot of time in other countries, but uh, over the past uh, year with COVID, I was only here. Uh, and in Mauritius, the ticket sizes are, let's say, uh, around $50,000, $100,000. And then uh, the network can fund it on its own. But of course, we also look at opportunity, opportunities in other markets. So we look at deals in South Africa, uh, in Nigeria, um, in Rwanda. Uh, so we source these deals through our network because you can't travel at the moment. And there, because of the market sizes, the, the deal size is very different. So someone that has a startup in, in Nigeria, if he's looking at um, serving the it's it's a home market needs much more money than Mauritius. Malinga, thank you so much for being generous with your time and joining me on this podcast to have open and frank conversations with African entrepreneurs who might be looking for funding and explaining the different types of investors that are in the space, the differences between them and how to approach angels in particular and what angels are looking for and um, the ranges of the ticket sizes for angels depending on the market um, that the particular entrepreneur is in. Thank you so much. And I would also like to thank you or audience for continuing to show up and listen. We hope that you got what you expected when you tuned in to this episode. If not, let us know what you want us to cover by completing a short survey in the show notes. So make sure you check those out. If you would like to be a guest or a sponsor, please contact us at wheresthefunding at gmail.com. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, stream, or download, leave a rating or review, and share with your friends family and colleagues who might find this content valuable follow us on social media we are wtf podcast on instagram and the words of funding africa edition podcast on facebook follow your hosts on linkedin michelle mckenzie and lydia lydia nylander and we will see you for the next episode